This is At The Line. I'm Ty Yeager. That's... Noah Magaro George. What's going on, Ty? All right, there was a gap, there was a gap there, but I can't I can't blame you. It's we're we're doing the, these both from home because we got too lazy to go to the studio today. So we are doing this over Discord. So we apologize we apologize for the kind of like the lack of quality. I would say I think the audio quality. Don't worry, the content itself is going to be great. It's just the audio quality is just going to be a little different from our previous recordings. But Noah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, the Spurs are still, you know, working through the off season. We know Jakob's back, but we can get into that later. But for now, I'm happy. I don't know what you're talking about. I thought this off season, I thought nothing was going on this off season. I thought the Spurs were just sitting pat and doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> what are you looking at? Are you somehow in the future? Are you in some re- alternate reality? Maybe. It sounds like right now the Spurs fans think that this team is going down the drain. You know me. Uh, this is a this team is going down the drain. We are going to be a bottom five team in the league. <laughs> we are going to be in the lottery, and then we're going to be like the Knicks and not get the number one number one pick. And then even though the even even though the Spurs have done great at draft picks, they're going to fuck this one up. I just know it. That sounds right to me. That sounds. Pretty much 100% right to me. We know the Spurs have been awful for the last 20 plus years and that they don't know how to draft and that they don't know how to operate in offseason. So you what, see can, my, what else can you expect? My, pessimis- my pessimism has infected you straight like immediately. <laughs> yeah, they're bad. They're real bad. All right. I, I couldn't go any longer with that. It was just too much without laughing. Yeah, that's that's the – if you really want a pessimistic Spurs like mentality, <laughs> that's how you do it. And even though I'm like, it seems like I'm joking, people are seriously saying that sh- kind of shit out there. <laughs> and it's, it's, to me, it's getting a little annoying. What, like, how do you feel about like the pessimistic side of Spurs Twitter? Yeah, well, like, obviously I can understand a little bit of like concern that maybe they go back to the lottery next year. But if you're thinking that they've had a terrible offseason, it hasn't been super eventful, but they have re-signed the guys we want them to re-sign. And they let go of Marco Bellinelli so far. I'm pretty sure he's not coming back. And we know Bryn Forbes is not coming back. So, you know, they've, they've made moves that make this team better, even if it's just addition by subtraction and retaining the guys who they like for reasonable prices. I think that's a good offseason in itself. So for some reason, if you just have like been avoiding Twitter for the past like few weeks or so, let's get you caught up. First, of course, the Spurs draft Devin Fassell and Trey Jones in the draft, and then two days later, we get the free we get free agency, which is already crazy in itself. Luckily, free agency is like kind of calmed down, so we're recording. We're not expecting anything big at least in the next day of this recording. So hopefully, this stays true. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Please, you gotta knock on some wood. <laughs> I, I, I knowing knowing how these podcasts go, it never goes the way that you want it to go. But um, so yeah, so the spur, so free agents Marco Bellinelli and Brent Forbes, they are out in free agency. The Spurs right off the bat re-signed Drew Eubanks to a three-year, five point three million dollar contract with the third-year player option, as reported by Spurs Zone. Uh, team option, not player option. My bad. And I think this was. I honestly was surprised about how quick this signing, because this was the, like one of the first Woj bombs of the night on Friday night. What do you think about the Drew Eubanks signed to a three-year contract at about nearly at nearly the minimum the minimum contract signing? 
Yeah, I really like it for the Spurs. I think Drew Eubanks showed that he can be a backup in this league. And even if he ends up being the third stringer, you're paying him, like you said, basically league minimum money here. So to me, it's a win-win situation for everybody. Drew gets a contract long-term. Maybe he gets another opportunity to try to break into the rotation next season. And then the Spurs get a guy who they know knows the system. He's been around the Spurs for a while now. Um, and he's still pretty young, right? He's only 23 right now, I'm pretty sure. So he has some room to grow. And uh, I just, if you're a Spurs fan, I know maybe it's not the sexiest signing, but to me, it's a signing that you look at and you go, wow, both sides won. And, uh, you know, no harm done. If anything, no harm done at the very least. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the signing. If you guys know me, you guys know I really appreciate and like Drew Eubanks on this team. It's a solid signing. Honestly, I thought he was going to get, I thought he was going to get signed for more overall, but I'm not. I'm not complaining. You get Drew Eubanks at least as your third string for this upcoming season. I possibly see him coming out, coming out as a second string going into next season when it comes to the 21-22 season. But this dude's solid. He, he's going to bring you your team energy that you that you need. He's going to bring you some depth at the big man position that this team has also desperately needed. And it showed in the bubble. But he earned, like we've, we've said, he earned his contract in the, in the bubble. He did a phenomenal job at playing the role he need to, needed to do when he was called up for it and also murdered a body who I, everyone knows that he earned his contract when he killed Thanos at the Takumbo. <laughs> everyone knows yeah. that he absolutely yammed on Thanasis. They did him so dirty by not letting that go that there's no reason they should have given him that tech. I was, I was so, I was livid. Like when that happened, I was like, come on, you gotta let him have that. Like Dude. If, if LeBron had done that or Giannis had done that, you know that would have not. They wouldn't have blown the whistle. Like there would have been no review. Oh, it would have been all over Sports Center. Drew, Drew was mad, and you could you could hear it in the video. Like once they, once they like the commentary kind of quiets down after he says. And Drew Eubanks has been kind of in sporadic minutes. So you could just hear a loud what, and it's it's clearly <laughs> it's clearly Drew just mad from the call. <laughs> just like I would have been too. It was a terrible call, but um. But Drew signing, yes, uh, in, in whole, I think it was really good for the Spurs. And you're right, he could, he, he's like third string right now, but, you know, assuming, you know, maybe it's too big of an assumption, but if they do end up moving LaMarcus Aldridge by the trade deadline and they don't want to lose him for nothing, Drew could easily move up into that second string role. And there you go, he's got more minutes, more opportunity. Maybe he has a breakout of sorts. And if you look at the advanced stats, and I wrote a whole article on this that you can check out in the Spurs zone. Um, because I, I wrote like an article morning of of Friday saying why the Spurs should have resigned Drew Eubanks, and there's some fascinating numbers within his per 100 possessions. And I think the minutes kind the minutes are a little bit low because he only did play he played almost 300 minutes compared to some of the other guys, but he has like near identical stat like per 100 stats when it comes to Jakob in terms of rebounding blocks. Scoring is actually a little bit higher by four points, but they're nearly identical when it comes to how many blocks they have per 100 possessions as well as 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 rebounds. And it's like around 14 to 15 rebounds per 100 possessions and over three blocks per 100 possessions. That's just crazy. Yeah, he had some good numbers. Uh, you know, the same kind of case with what I was talking about with like Jakob last year around this time, or I guess not around this time, but when the season was going on, it's like how much of that is because he played against backups. And even if that is, you know, largely a product of him playing against backups, then you know that he's a serviceable backup. And if you're getting him for, you know, 1.5 or 1.7, I forget how much it goes up by every year, but it's less than, I think, 2 million every single year. Like, that's an excellent value for the Spurs. You can't pass up on that. 
And um, yeah, I mean, again, not the like sexiest signing, but Spurs fans should be happy that they retained a guy like Drew Eubanks, who's familiar with the system, who's still very young, who showed that he can be a serviceable NBA player in the bubble. So I don't know how you can be upset with this. If you know, if you're a, a deep diehard Spurs fan and you know the players within the system, this is a good signing. I don't, it's might not be sexy from an outsider, but I see this as kind of a really solid, sexy signing in terms of keeping your team together and then also building up your backups. And this is, I think this is awesome. It's also a great story of a guy that went undrafted out of Oregon State, did two years on a two-way contract going back and forth between San Antonio, was even one of the first two-way players to play both in, a, in the G League and the NBA in a single day. And... He get and he gets his he gets his bag. He earns his bag, earns his contract, and now he has a he he earned his chance to become part of the roster full time. Now he's gonna now he's gonna try to earn a a solid rotation spot, and I'm really excited to see what he can do. Yeah, we'll just have again like we'll have to wait and see how the rotation, how the lineups shake out because. I think he's probably third string as this roster is constructed right now, but that's not to say that, again, if like a move happens, that he cannot move up that pecking order. And then also knowing that me trying to guess rotations never goes well, i.e. last season. Because going into the season last season, I thought we were running DeJounte Derrick as a starting lineup, not Bryn Forbes and DeJounte. And so I'm not going to try to guess this rotation because I just know it's going to get fucked up in the end. But moving yeah, on, it's going to be so hard to guess that you're 100 percent right. That is like I think everybody thought the same thing where like DeJounte and Derek was starting and then it didn't happen until we got to the bubbles. So, yeah, it's going to be confusing and hard to guess for sure. So let's go on. To, go ahead and go on to the next signing, which is Jakob Pertl coming back for twenty seven million dollars over three years. This is I think this was probably the most important signing for the Spurs team this offseason, or at least one of the biggest missions that was clear at least to us Spurs fans and media, that we knew what the Spurs needed to do going into this offseason. And it was re-sign Jakob Pertl and, not, and as well not overpay him. And I think this is a great deal. This is get, this gives him around about nine, nine-ish million per, per year for three years. And I think this is a wonderful deal for the Spurs as well. I think Spur, Brandon Wright is doing a lot of really good – Brian Wright, sorry. Is it Brian Brandon? I'm losing my Brian, name. Brian Wright. Yeah, sorry, Brian Wright. Sorry, Brian. If you're actually listening to us, one, thank you for <laughs> listening to us. Two, I apologize. I but you got your name wrong there. But Brian Wright really did a good job at managing the money in terms of signing these guys for really good deals. Yeah. I mean if you – and not to throw shots at Marco Bellinelli, but Marco Bellinelli – um, I think he made about five million a year ago. So if you're getting Jakob for eight point three million, that's at least in the first year of his contract and nine million, you know, averaged out, you know, over three years. I think that's an astounding value. He's somebody who people were talking about on Twitter. Is he going to get twelve million? Are Spurs going to match him? You know, if it gets up to fifteen million, and then you have him here at eight point three million in the first year, eight point nine in the second, and nine point seven in the third. I don't think it gets much better than that. That's excellent. Yeah, and then again, like I said, going back to the advanced stats, this guy and per game stats, they don't look they don't look fancy, they don't look flashy. Yeah, he puts up a few he puts up a few blocks and all in all this, but he does a lot of stuff that's not that's off ball that impacts the game much more that really makes his teammates even better players out there. Again, going back to the advanced stats for Jakob, and about in over 1,100 minutes. In in the season, he averaged fifteen point three rebounds per hundred possessions, along with almost four blocks per hundred possessions. That's insane. Yeah, 
Yeah, it is insane. He put up some really great numbers. And, and you know, sometimes it goes beyond the numbers, right? Like it, numbers are nice, um, you know, per 100, you know, advanced stats, all of that stuff is nice. But when you watch the tape on Jakob, one thing that he does better than almost anyone in the league is his ability to set a screen and create points out of for his teammates to, to score points, opportunities for them to score points off of screens. And he actually led the, not the NBA, but the Spurs in screen assists this year, which is incredible because he was actually in like the top 10 in the NBA and the person after him, Andre Drummond played double the minutes he did. So that's how, you know, he's an effective screener. And that's something that, you know, Spurs fans are going, well, he can't score. Well, he doesn't necessarily need to score to be valuable to this team. He provides value elsewhere and he's a very underrated passer. So I'm really, really excited for Jakob to be coming back. And I think he can be a major building block of this team, even if he's not a scorer. And this team this team needs more than just people that can score. Like you said, they need people that can really fit in with these other guys. And I think Jakob is one of those pieces. Yeah, you're not gonna he's not gonna he's not gonna score double digit points every night. He's not gonna be Tim Duncan in terms of scoring. But he's gonna have nearly the same impact that Tim Duncan had for your teammates, I would say. He makes his teammates better. He's probably one of the best pick-and-roll bigs in the league in terms of, like you said, setting screens and then also rolling to the rim. Yeah, people didn't really see him finish, finishing at the rim, and he even called himself out that he he really did not do a great job at being aggressive within the bubble. And it really became from him adjusting to, the, to having more minutes than uh, throughout the whole rest of the season. But this dude can still finish inside. He can still make some crafty layups. And, st- and still really punch it in with Pirtle jams. We we gave yeah, him he, we gave him that we call him the block lobster too, but we also gave him Pirtle jams. Come on. Yeah, I mean, like he he's not going to necessarily need to even be that great as like a roll man going and finishing on the inside to provide value because, like I said, those screen assists that is just him setting screens and then guys score off of those screens. That's the literal definition of a screen assist. So he's setting screens so well that he gets his you know the guy who the ball handler enough space to score the ball that's incredibly valuable that might as well be an assist at that point so he's a guy i'm just so incredibly excited to see come back out there and potentially have a bigger role you know if lamarcus is gone and i know i've mentioned it earlier and it's just speculation at this point but if he's gone at some point purtle in a larger role is something that i've been very intrigued with and uh you know he did say multiple times he's on the record as saying you know i'm not really sure if i'm coming back unless my role is expanded so you have to think you know, they talked to him about his role. He took, you know, a, a deal that may be seen as team friendly. So was he told that he may be a starter at some point? So that is something I think is something really big to look out for with Jakob. Is he going to be a starter at some point during the season? Because I think he could be a serviceable starter, even though he struggled with foul, you know, some foul trouble in the uh, bubble. Yeah, and it, I think it would be interesting to see if Pop went to a traditional big, even if Lamarcus is still on the rota- in the roster, I would love to see Move Lamarcus back to the four and bring Pirtle in a five on your starting ro- on your starting rotation just to see how that could really work. And yeah, yeah, that would be that would be interesting. My only concern there would be with Lamarcus. He's lost so much mobility and lateral uh, mobility, not just in terms of speed, but his lateral movement as well. That it's like having two guys who are basically centers at this point in their career in a game that's getting more skillful and smaller. A little bit concerning, and I, that's why I kind of would trust Lamar. Or, Jakob more really within the setting of a team defense um keeping the ball moving I like him better for the young core than Lamarcus even though I think Lamarcus is still a good player yeah so I've I've adamantly said that this team I think Lamarcus is the piece to be moved this offseason 
If you if you had to pick one per if you only had to pick one person to get moved on this team, I would pick Lamarcus just in terms of what you said. I think Jakob is better fit. It allows these young guys to develop much more because it takes touches away from the touches that Lamarcus had really went to the young guys in the bubble, and Derek White was one of the guys that really benefited from it, just in terms of his scoring, his three point shooting ability, volume, his three point shooting volume as well. I think this team just benefits more without having LaMarcus out there and being able to run a smaller ball lineup. Or even if you throw in Trey Lowes there, being able, being able to be more mobile, try to go up and down the floor easily. And then also throwing that you get Drew Eubanks in as you're off the, off the bench in the rotation. And Drew Eubanks can bring a lot that Jakob does just with a lot more mobility. I would Even more mobility than Jakob can bring. And Jakob has a pretty nice little acceleration to him. Yeah, he, he does a really good job. Like when he's beat on the defensive end, he does a good job of recovering. He's got excellent footwork. And then on the other end, we know that, like I said, he sets really, really solid screens, sturdy screens. But he also moves pretty well. Like once he gets going downhill and he has some space, I don't think many people are going to want to get in his way when he's going to go, you know, yam that ball down the, you know, down the middle. Yeah, and I think there's a, there's a play I tweeted out, I think, last week or so. And he saw, I believe he was like kind of near the, near the left wing, just kind of guarding some a stretch a stretch five but fox was coming off a pick and roll and as soon as that ball was in the air to in the pass to fox who's driving down the lane purtle just moves it fuck this and ran straight towards the rim and got a block of <laughs> off De'Aaron fox it was just i was just really fascinated from his defensive awareness and then the quickness that he was able to do to get from the wing all the way back to the back to the basket and get a really solid block but and i think bruno bruno passes your buddy over at uh He's at he's at pounding the rock, right? I don't want to miss it. Yeah, yeah. Making yeah. sure I'm, I'm everyone blends in. Oh, you're good. <laughs> everyone blends in at this point. But he, he during the uh, Yaka presser that was earlier today, he, he, Bruno also tweeted out when asked if he had been if Pirtle had been in contact with many of his teammates during the deliberation process. Pirtle said he mostly kept the decision making between him and his family inner circle, but he talked with him with Derek White about how those two could be in the coming years, which I I just. I just see fire lighting up in my eyes because Jakob and Derek are probably one of the best like pick and roll duos in the league. That's like just completely underrated. Yeah, it's actually, and if you look at the stats, it's actually completely backs what you just said, because again, Jakob is one of the best screen setters in the NBA and guess who ran the most pick and rolls with Derek White last season. Go, go ahead. Guess. Uh, was it LaMarcus? It was Jakob Pertle. Oh, and, damn. Uh, and uh, I, I, Derek White also. Damn, I was, was going to, I should have guessed Chemezi Metu. Pick and roll ball handler. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, Derek was like the most efficient pick and roll ball handler per possession in the NBA last season. So if those two guys were able to do that, um, kind of under the radar together, I want to see what they can do with more possessions together, with more minutes together. I think it's going to be a really dangerous combo, even if it's not something like a, you know, Tony and Tim pick and roll or Amare and uh, you know Steve Nash pick and roll. It's never going to be that level, but I do think they can be dangerous together. So I just wanted to also point this out and. I want to say in 700 less minutes than LaMarcus Aldridge, Jakob Pertl got racked up a total of 95 blocks last season. And that's coming off the bench. 95. Yeah. And then uh, I think there was another presser like where he went nearly – he went over 10 games straight of having a block a game. That's – Jakob is such a impactful player. Even if the numbers don't show it, he does a lot more for this team than people think. And – but getting this signing at the money that the Spurs did, I thought it was a 
probably the most valuable signing the Spurs team did all the offseason so far. And it, yeah, it's not an eventful offseason, but this is a really big signing for this team going going forward. Most definitely. I'm 100% in agreement with you here. There's there's no reason not to be happy with this signing. Uh, let's move on to the other two signings that the Spurs also received, which were their two-way contracts. First is Quindary Weatherspoon getting his, his second year two-way contract. Last season, he, he was a second-round pick with, along with Kel, following Keldon and Luka. And he got a two-way contract last season and played most of almost all his time in Austin until the bubble where he played a few minutes. But he gets his second year, kind of reminds, kind of gave me shades of Drew Eubanks of how he did it, where he just, he was back and forth between Austin and San Antonio, but went into his second year on a two-way. And I really, I really like that Quindary's coming back. I'm not sure he was ready to be part of the full-time lineup, but I really think that if he gets one more year in Austin, or at least with the development team in Austin, I think he's going to be a really solid player. Yeah, I think he's another one of those guys like Drew Eubanks who could, you know, be a serviceable backup in the NBA, because... He has the prerequisite skills to be a good shooter. He's a solid passer. He's not a great passer, but he's a solid passer. And he's a strong guy. Like He may be small, but he's got the strength to make up for that lack of size. And he's got some decent length and good athleticism. So he could be solid on both ends of the ball. It just really depends. Like you know, These guys don't always get that NBA opportunity, especially with a crowded backcourt like San Antonio has. But I do like him coming back because I think he's somebody who showed some flashes in Austin. And, you know, if they can continue bringing guys in who know the system, who have some familiarity with the culture, then, you know, I, I don't think you can be upset, especially if it's a two-way contract, right? It's not like they're spending a guaranteed, you know, NBA contract on him. Yeah, the two-way contracts are development, developmental contracts at this point. But looking back at his his Austin stats, 14.8 points per game, nearly five assists per game, as well as steal, 1.2 steals a game. And, yeah, his shooting wasn't the best at least from deep, he still shot 45% from the field. And being a not not being the main option, he did a really good job of being a playmaker that Austin really needed down there. And but again, I think this I I think it's solid bringing Quindary back. It's not going to impact the roster, the main roster or anything, but it does kind of give you a glimpse of who these who this team could have going going forward in the future. Because if Quindary pulls off the same round as Drew, you could see Quindary on the main roster as a backup. Yeah, potentially, potentially. I think for him, uh, you know, the biggest obstacle is probably going to be Trey Jones, who will probably end up getting an NBA contract, even if he doesn't play a whole lot his first year. I just think Trey Jones is the better prospect between those two. And Trey Jones, I want to say, is still younger than Kendary Weatherspoon. So, um, you know, better prospect and younger. It's going to be an uphill battle for Kendary, but, you know, adversity can really make players into, you know, better players than they would have been otherwise. I mean, look at Drew. He had to fight through the adversity of being – undrafted Chemezi Metu I would argue was ahead of him on the Spurs depth chart even if you're talking about just like G League and then he ended up working his way through the G League back and forth and now he's probably a mainstay on the NBA roster you know so yeah. there's always that chance that Kendari follows a similar path Kendari kind of went the Derek Rod he is 24 years old while Trey Jones is 20 years old so Trey Jones I can see why he might get a more options plus wasn't Trey Jones a first round first round like prospect yeah, he had some first-round grades from some people. I had him, like, early second round, but only reason I think he would have been um, overlooked potentially is because there were so many solid point guards in this draft. Like, in another draft with less point guards, he easily could have been first-round solidified, first-round status, gone first-round. And, um, you know, it just – the draw just was not in his favor this year. Luckily, I think – honestly, 
I don't know. How could you be disappointed by dropping to the Spurs? I'm just going to say that. Why would you be disappointed in that? I'm just going to, I don't think he's disappointed, especially going to probably one of the best developmental teams in the league. Yeah, I think he's probably happy. Like, obviously, I don't want to speak for anyone because I don't know what he is thinking, but he seemed to be really excited about being the Spurs. He seemed to know quite a bit about the organization. His brother already plays in the NBA. And, um, you know, if other teams could maximize Tyus Jones, who I think is a lesser prospect between the two brothers, um, I think the Spurs can do wonders with him. He's bigger than his brother. He's faster than his brother. He's a little bit more athletic than his brother, and he's a better defender. So if the Spurs got that in the second round, um, you know, to me, that is a minimum, like a B-plus as a draft grade, just because they didn't need a point guard. But we, we may look back on this pick and go, wow, they got another guy, you know, another one who's a French starter or even like a Patty Mills sort of um, backup, but a really, really good backup, you know, like a sixth man kind of guy. So I don't think he can be upset with that Trey Jones pick at all. Really, really solid player. And, you know, he could be the very best defender in this draft at his individual position at point guard. So hard to argue when he won ACC defensive player of the year and player, the and, and player, of the year. and player of the year It's like, it's like, yep. I keep seeing the ACC defensive player of the year. It's like, this dude also won player of the year the same year. It's like, he was, probably, yeah. he was one of the best players in the AAC, both on offense and defense from the looks of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the only place where he's really going to struggle is because he is sort of small. So he probably will only be able to guard point guards and smaller shooting guards, but that shouldn't really be an issue. Like he's a very smart defender he understands the you know the ins and outs of team defense i don't think he's ever going to be a liability so uh, i'm really excited about that because the spurs just cannot afford to have any more defensive liabilities no matter how good of shooters they are or how long they've been with the team which is kind of why i'm glad that you know Bryn forbes is moving on to the bucks i think he'll be good there and you know hopefully marco moves on to wherever he moves on to so i i got more on comparing Bryn forbes and with Derek White, but before we do that, we kind of look at the I kind of want to look at the roster situation because people. This is also kind of fits in with a possible Trey Jones signing. There's about 15 rosters. Almost all the roster spots are taken up, but Trey, but Tyler Zeller is still on the is still on the roster, but he's on a non guaranteed contract, and he, honestly, the Spurs could easily drop him. I. The expectation is that they're going to bring him into training camp, but then re- then wave him before the start of the season. I think that's what the expectation is. Because um, he honestly, I think he still has a chance to, to earn his spot, but I don't think he's going to get that spot. But I think Trey Jones is going to get a contract soon. I might not. It might be a non guaranteed, possibly going like it might be guaranteed this season and non guaranteed in the future season. But I don't see Tyler Zeller going on this lineup. Any- any further so expect him to get waived and i don't think you're going to get him but like i said i don't think he's going to get waived until after training camp yeah probably not and tyler zeller uh, you know solid guy for a few years there in the nba but he's just not an nba player anymore and uh you know if he was he probably would have seen more minutes in the bubble and been on a team that was better than the spurs was uh, were last year so um yeah him getting waived is probably almost a guarantee and then if you look at the roster right now they've you know, both of their two-way contracts are filled, so they're going to have to give Trey Jones an NBA roster spot. And assuming they sign Devin Vassell, that leaves one last roster spot. So I don't know who they give that to. I don't know who they pay, how much they pay, but I can't really see them adding anybody who moves the needle, who doesn't also take minutes from their young guys who they definitely want to develop. Yeah, so it's – so it's again, I see Trey Jones becoming a full part of this roster because they're not, they're not letting go – I don't think they're going to let that kind of prospect go. So I expect Tyler Zeller to get waived pretty 
pretty soon. Um, let's talk about the other two, uh, two-way signing before we move on. Key. All right, we're gonna butcher this name, and we're gonna call him by abbreviation afterwards. Let's, let's both give it. Let's, go, let's both give it this a try. Kiede Bates drop. I think it's Kiede Bates drop, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Dwight, like I've only heard his name said a few times. It's like it's like the last the last name of his last name is drop, but it's. The R is respo- replaced with an I. I think it's with an I. Yeah, it's Jop. Like, uh, like this Dizana, Dijana Jop. He used to play for the Mavericks, uh, and, and the Cavs back oh, in the day. Whatever. It's we're gonna call him KBD. KBD. Yeah, way easier to call him KBD. So, what do you think about the? So, KBD is an R two way signing. Fills fills up the second two way roster spot. What do you think about this signing? Yeah, I'm not super high on this signing, but again, it's just a uh, you know two-way signing. He's a guy who has been in the NBA. He's played NBA minutes, but you know I'm just going to read you some of his numbers here, and you can tell me what you think. So this will be his third season in the NBA. He's already 24, turning 25 this season. He averaged five points per game on 42% shooting as uh, you know first year as a rookie, and then his second season he averaged six and a half points per game on 43% shooting. He's not really a three-point shooter. Um, He's not really someone who's going to give you much offense. You know, he's not a guy who you can just give the ball and say, you know, get me points. He's not a playmaker as a passer. He's not a great rebounder for as big as he is. Um, He's 6'8", and he's averaging about 2.8 rebounds. And if you stretch that out over per 36, it's only about six. So, you know, I'm not super impressed with it. And he's a pretty, like, long guy. So he's a, a solid defender. But... He just hasn't shown me anything in the NBA so far that makes me think, oh, we needed to add him. But he is just a two-way signing. Maybe the Spurs can get something out of him. Uh, There are definitely other guys who I would have preferred who were undrafted free agents this year. But, you know, it is what it is. We'll see what he can provide. And, you know, maybe he has a sort of resurgence with San Antonio. And kind of he adds some depth looking at like his his dimensions, 6'8", 229, plays that full forward position. So I think he he's also there, kind of there for depth reasons as well, kind of like Zeller, but just be on a two way contract where he can develop still. I do love this. He's so his high school is University High School at Norma Normal, Illinois. Yeah, that, <laughs> the most like generic yeah, weird name. The most generic high school name in the most generic town. Yeah, it sounds fake, but it really is true. That's University really where he high, went to school. Welcome to University High School in Normal. Illinois. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a parody. Yeah, that's it's so weird, but yeah, it is. Uh, Ty's telling the truth. He's not yanking your chain. Like he's a hundred percent telling the truth. So, but uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I just think it's a depth. Um, Spurs can give him a chance, but this is kind of what this two way contract's all about: is allowing guys to develop, kind of give them the chance, but without giving them the full contract. But it allows them to kind of be in a comfortable spot where they can develop throughout the season. So. I don't see it as it's not impactful, but I also don't see it as a bad as a bad two way signing. I would say, especially if you're going to move Trey Jones as a full contract. Still, think it's a, I think it's a solid signing in my opinion. Oh well. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad, but nothing nothing special. Nothing special. So let's go. Let's go to the la- to the quote unquote lack of action this off season, and people saying, "Oh, this team's getting worse." They 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 just lost their best shooters in Marco and Briz, like. Bitch, please. Before we move on to the lack of action of this, so let's say Brent Forbes is now signing with the Milwaukee Bucks on a two-year contract. Good for him. I think as a Spurs fans, we were celebrating, like just saying that he's off the rotation finally. We are hoping the guy a really good career and a better chance with a different team. 
but we're just glad that he's off our team. <laughs> as rude yeah. as that, as rude as that sounds. Yeah, of, of course, and and you know we don't mean it in a mean way, but when you when you're as big of a defensive sieve as he is, just allowing points left and right, and you don't really provide much outside of shooting, and you had sort of a down year as a shooter, it's hard not to be you know at least a little bit happy that he's off the roster. One thing I will say is. I don't really blame him as much as I do Pop, and I know I might get some flack for that, but you know, I'm giving you Brent flack. Forbes didn't, Brent Forbes didn't decide to play himself 25 minutes per night. Pop did. You know, any other team, and I'm almost guaranteeing you with this the, with the Bucks, they're probably playing in between 15 to 20, and they're surrounding him with really good defenders. They're not going to let themselves get exposed, especially not in the way where Pop had him playing alongside Patty or they had him playing alongside Marco, or sometimes all three of them were on the court. So that's just not going to happen. So I do expect him to be solid for the Bucks next year. He will probably be more open than he's ever been in his career playing alongside Giannis and Middleton. And, um, you know, I think they don't have Bo- uh, Boyan Bogdanovich anymore. I don't think he's coming. Nope. I think he signed with the Hawks. But they have other solid pieces there. So I think he's going to be fine. And then um, Marco, like, I'm sorry, but he also had a super, super down year. I'm excited that he's gone. He was always going to have a special place in my heart because he was on that 2014 title team, but it's, it was time for him to go. And no, this team did not get worse. Addition by subtraction. Addi- addition by subtraction. Uh, majorly. And I want people, I pulled this stat up. I did the research and I was fascinated by this first off. And I thought this is really going to prove other, these, these pessimistic Spurs fans wrong. So, so once going into the bubble, Bryn Forbes did not play a single minute, which was awesome. And you would think that the Spurs' three-point shooting went down. Instead, you had a guy like Derek White step up in a really big way. Throughout the regular season, he he attempted only about 2.6 three-pointers per game on 35% three-point shooting. That's about 35 is about league average. I want to say the league average is around 34%, if I'm not mistaken. I'm looking at it right now. It says 35.6, so about 36%. So so it's actually a little bit below league average. But, however, going into the bubble, that 2.6 attempts per game jumped up to 8 a game, and his three-point shooting jumped up from 35% to 39%, almost 40% from beyond the arc, which is a really solid three-point shooting number. And this just shows that Derek White, one, improved his jump shot, and we already saw that he kind of had a three-point shooting shot. He just wasn't really using it as much. But in the bubble, he came lights out and was scoring like no one's damn business from beyond the arc. And to again to jump up, to jump up nearly six, to jump like just under six more attempts a game and increase your three-point shooting percentage. That's not easy in any way. No, definitely not. And it's it's not easy, and I'll, I'll tell you something that to me is even more impressive. So we all know that Derek White was really good in the bubble. But for those of you who forgot that he got injured, and then he had to play that game against Houston where he was um, less than 100%, and then he didn't even really get to finish out that Pelicans game. Before those two games, he was averaging 22 points per game, 45.2% three-point percentage on 8.4 attempts. Now, obviously, that's that's something that probably won't happen next year. You know, it's a small sample size, but I think it's incredibly encouraging. And just like Ty said, his shot has improved, and I think that he showed a willingness to shoot it, which to me is even more important. You can't get any better if you're not willing to put the practice that you have used in practice and put it into action in games. That's the first step to getting better is actually implementing that practice inside of games. We saw him do it. 
And I expect him to have been working on that this off season. And, you know, maybe it's not eight attempts this season, but if it's anywhere between four to six, I think you can be really happy with Brent or not Brent, sorry, with Derek White. The new, the new Brent, Brent Forrest, but it better. But also another number that we're forgetting about the bubble. Derek White almost had five assists per game in the bubble on between all seven games that he played. Even during the Pelicans game, he still got three assists out there. And this dude, and especially with how Yaka was talking about how him and White, Derek, have been talking. I know that Keldon is probably going to be the face of the franchise in terms of like the marketing. But I think Derek is going to be probably one of the best players on this team. And probably a very underrated MVP, essentially. Yeah, I think that's uh, fair to say. I think, at least for me, and maybe not everybody agrees with me, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, but I think Derek White is our best player overall. Oh, I agree. On both sides of the ball, he may not be the best defender, and he may not be the best offensive player, but together, he's the best overall player on this roster. Yeah, he's the the most well-rounded. He can do... He can almost do everything that you need him to do. He can block. He can block as a guard. Come on. How can you how can no guard how can you have a guard that blocks and say, nah, I don't think he's that good. The fucker can block people. And it was leading it was like a high was lead all guards in terms of blocks. So but honestly I honestly think he's one of the better he's the best defending guard on the team, in my opinion. But I agree. This guy has been a been the team MVP the past two seasons. If he was not on the court, the team was not winning. And that was really obvious in last season, in the 18-19 season, when he went down with, was it a knee injury that he went down with? Kind of a weird knee injury that kind of held him out. It might have been a foot injury or something like that. It was was some sort of injury. It was a foot injury. It was a foot injury that held him out for a few games. And the team just suffered on the court without him. This was also without DeJounte, too, as he was out with the ACL. But when Derek was not on that team, even though it was only his sophomore year, that team really struggled on the floor. And but this season, whenever he was out there, that dude was a positive guy, and he was always bringing you, bring you, effort, energy, and probably the most effectiveness of any Spurs player on the court. Yeah, I 100 percent agree. That to me, that is absolutely true. He's the winningest player. Like his style of basketball, the way he plays basketball, the skills he has are the most conducive to winning basketball games. So if if Derek White's on the floor, you're probably in a good position to win. And so it's also going to be encouraging. First, it was encouraging the bubble to see him and DeJounte start next to each other, which everyone was clamoring for all season long. And I think that you're going to get that this season, especially without Bren. So I think you're going to see Derek White on the floor more often, much more often in starter minutes for this team going forward. And also, while at the time of this recording, we have not heard anything on a Derek White extension, but that's most likely coming down, coming down the shoot anytime soon. Yeah, and they have till December 21st to offer him an extension, I believe. So they've got a while. It's like they've got a month. So if it doesn't happen today, it doesn't happen next week. They've got plenty of time to do that. And I believe DeJounte's didn't come until like nearly the beginning, near the beginning of the season last year, which was probably like a month or two after he could have been extended anyway in terms of that reg- of that normal regular season. But Derek White is going to be solid for this team. I think he's going to be probably the most valuable. Go- valuable, even if you don't think he's the most popular he's probably gonna be the most valuable for this team for a good good while yeah and and i want to bring it back one second to uh derek white in terms of his three-point shooting even if he's not shooting them off the dribble like heavily next season he was in terms of volume the fifth best 
three point like in terms of makes off of catch and shoot so we know he can you know run around the perimeter move without the ball well and then he shot 39 percent on catch um looks like it was the second best after uh patty when once you take out Bryn forbes so i i'm i'd be really excited to see what he can do there i just think Derek is going to be in for a big year. I'm not saying it's going to be an all-star season. I'm not saying it's going to be all defense, but I think he'll definitely, if given the opportunity, kind of compete for both. So say it one more time. You actually cut off slightly. Just what, like what aspects of the shooting? Just one more time. You don't have to deep dive it though. Oh yeah. The spot, the spot up shooting. Cause even if he doesn't have the ball in his hand, um, I think that just because he can move without the ball so well, and he's more willing to shoot the three ball, he's going to be a threat even when he doesn't have the ball. Awesome. And, I th- so people think that, oh, they can still sign Marco. Marco hasn't signed anywhere else. Just going to give you guys safety. Don't think Marco's coming back. There's no more roster spots for him. There's no more money to really sign him with. I don't think Marco Bellinelli's coming back, guys. You guys can you guys can breathe a sigh of relief. If he comes back, I'll put my body on the line. I will get number <laughs> I will get number eighteen tattooed on me if he comes back in any way this season for the Spurs. Actually, no, not any way. I'm just gonna say if he's if he's on the the rotate the he he's on the roster going to opening day. I will get number eighteen tattooed on me somewhere. I I will put my life on the line for this. That's a confident man right there. So I'm going to be confident and tell you that Marco Bellinelli is not going to be back on this rotate on this roster anytime soon. But let's go ahead and go to the lack of action. So we are we I keep saying that we're going to go to and we've already kind of been at it, but. The spur, and I think Tom Petrini wrote a great article about this, saying that yeah, everyone everyone wants the action movie, but really the Spurs are playing chess, and they're probably one of the best teams to to play chess in this league. And so while you might not have the action explosion, and instead you might have pawn to d4. I'm literally quoting Tom in that quote at that time. You, you're gonna have a, you're gonna have pawn move the d4 on this one, but it's not going to it's not going to hurt the team in any way because they're making really smart moves yeah they're making incredibly smart moves and to me yes i can understand fully the disappointment of all that smoke and you're thinking oh there's going to be a trade they're going to get the second pick or they're you know they're moving on from demar from lamar and sorry lamar and demar um but you got to be patient you know i think that's something we got to remember it's not about the instant gratification of being a little bit better than last season or even a little bit better in a few years from now. We're trying to win titles. They're trying to build something. Okay. So they're trying to spend their money correctly and based on how they've spent their money. And if they get a Derek white extension done, they're going to have about $50 million to spend, which is max contract money. Maybe they extend another young guy, but at the end of the day, it's not a bad thing to have a lot of money. And like I've said multiple times, I'm sure if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen it. It's not the end of the world if they end up in the lottery in 2021. It is, it is end of the absolutely world. absolutely stacked, absolutely stacked class. Like, I know the casual fan probably doesn't watch a lot of college basketball or high school basketball, doesn't realize the incoming talent. Like, maybe every draft is the same to you, but this one absolutely isn't. This draft right here that we just had does not even come close to the talent in next year's draft. There will be at least four or five franchise players at the top of that draft if the Spurs can get any of those guys and it comes with their current core, that's a competitive team. That's a team that's going at least second round in the playoffs. So there's a lot to be excited for regardless of how you look at this situation. And honestly, I still think that this team can be pretty damn competitive. 
first, like you said earlier, it's addition by subtraction. You're honestly getting rid of your two worst defenders on the floor that were getting major minutes. And now you're replacing them with guys who are can bring energy to the floor and bring really stellar defense in Keldon Johnson and Derek White and Lonnie Walker. You're getting guys, you're giving guys like those more minutes now. And they're going to do, I think they're going to just going to do much more for your team than Marco and Bryn could ever do. And so it's, this team was already pretty decent last year. And just because of the short offseason, it really hurt them. Short off short season, I would say. I still think this team can be really competitive. I think this team is going to be have a top 10 defense. I'm calling it. This is going to be a top 10 defense, especially if you, if you run out the rotations that we're expecting, which uh, I got it. I got to put a little doubt in, but just because uh, knowing me, I probably jinxed it. But still, you're probably going to be running one of the mo- one of the better defenses out there than you than you've seen in the past two seasons. You were saying that, that this defense in the past two years has really not been good since they lost Kel- since they lost Kawhi. But now you're getting yeah. It- they've go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say yeah. They they've taken an absolute nosedive. They've been really really bad. And this is a team that has been known for its defense not allowing points, really making it tough for opponents to score. And you look at the first eight years of this decade, 97.1 points per game allowed. That's first in the NBA. The last two seasons, it's 112.4. That's nearly 15-point increase. That's good for 20th in the NBA over the last two seasons. It's not good. And that's honestly, to be 100%, just being blatantly honest, it's awful. It's awful. And, and losing Bryn Forbes and Marco Bellinelli and gaining a guy like Devin Vassell and Trey Jones and giving these young guys like uh, DeJounte and Lonnie and Keldon and Derek an opportunity to thrive and play extra minutes, that's only going to help your defense. So, you know, maybe they struggle a little bit in the half court in their offense. It's not the, you know, not all the pieces fit perfectly, but at the end of the day, I think you're going to have a really, really good looking defense. I wouldn't be surprised if it was top 10 either. So yeah, so again, I think this is going to be a top 10 defensive team because someone, I, for, I forgot who mentioned this, but someone mentioned that just since you, just alone losing Brand Forbes and putting Derek into that starting rotation, DeMar is allowed to kind of ease up on defense to the point where he, he's the one that can go to the to the worst performing guard on that team to that he can be able to not have to have such a strenuous defensive defensive assignment. Yeah, I don't... I don't think DeMar is the worst defender in the world. He's not Bryn Forbes level, but I know, he, but he's just kind of an average defender. So being able to play a average defender on the worst worst player on that rotation, that that's going to help the team tremendously, because you got guys in Dejounte and Derek who put. I believe Dejounte had like one of the most minutes against some of the top talent in the in the league at as in terms of defending. So, yeah, Derek and Dejounte were both top five in the league in terms of uh, percentage of their possessions guarding all stars. And and I think if you can see them have easier roles when guys like Lonnie and Keldon and uh, Devin Vassell are able to split some of those possessions with them, they're just going to get better. Everybody's numbers are going to look better. And I don't necessarily think DeMar is even average. I actually would go out and say he's below average. He A lot of times ball watches, he takes unnecessary swipes, he takes gambles that don't really make a lot of sense. I think he's below average defender, but if you surround him with guys who are elite defenders, and I do think, and I'm, I don't think it's a stretch to say that DeJounte and Derek are elite, um, I, I only think you can help his, help him be hidden a little more. Because we forget, Tony Parker was pretty bad. Uh, he was a pretty awful defender, and the Spurs were able to win multiple championships with him because they could hide him. And have and, and, have, think, and also I, have one of the best defenses, defenses in the league for a long time with him. Yeah, exactly. So it's like if if you think Tony was bad, and I do think he was very bad, 
and you think DeMar is bad, I don't think he's as bad. I think you can still have a really solid defense as long as it's not multiple liabilities playing with each other, accentuating problems. So I'm excited to see what they can do on that end because I think they can be special. Yeah, I agree. And so this, and then also add on that you, Jakob will probably get more minutes, probably one of the best defending big men in the league. And just, again, the potential for this Spurs defense is going to be probably the highest that we've seen since losing our best two, two defenders and Kawhi and Danny in a trade. So, I really confident. In th- I'm confident in this team. I know that many other people are not confident because they don't see that. They don't see that. Oh, there's no. There's no additions. There's no major changes to this team. How could we live? Because we are Spurs fans and we are spoiled. We must have the best team in the league. There's my dramatic reading for the day. But no, I think this team is. I think this team is going to be competitive. I think you and I differ in like their range, but I think this could be a. This could be a team fighting for a playoff spot. And. Is that kind of the place that Spurs, some Spurs fans want it? Probably not. They probably want the higher pick in a really stacked draft class. But me, I'm a competitive person. I can't stand seeing my teams lose. I will go into a depression when my teams lose. That my Packers lost against the Colts, and I was in a depression for the rest of the night. I cannot handle my teams losing. So please, Spurs, don't lose. Because just my competitiveness, I cannot stand it. And so... I, but again, I think this Spurs team can be extremely competitive. I think they can fight and, fight and claw in this West for a playoff spot. And some many people are sleeping on this Spurs team, especially that defense like we just really broke down. I think this Spurs team is going to surprise some people. I just really, I really think it will. Yeah, I think the Spurs got better this offseason, obviously, but a lot of other teams in the Western Conference did too. And that's my only skepticism. And if you're going to be bad, like I said, um, you know, you want to be bad this year. You want to be bad next year. Uh, because, yes, obviously getting into the playoffs is great, and getting young guys that playoff experience is is really invaluable. But you don't want to be in Orlando Magic where you're constantly the seventh, eighth seed. You're always a first-round exit because that always gets you the 15th, the 16th pick, the 17th pick. And, yes, the Spurs have been really great at turning these picks into to really serviceable players, but it's been a while since uh, – actually since Kawhi, I guess, that they have been able to turn a pick like that into something really special – and if you can get something really special in this 2021 class, something that's special before you ever get your hands on it, to me, a generational talent like Cade Cunningham, you're set. You're set for years. It's worth a year of losing, being a contender for a decade. So that's just my opinion on that. For those who are upset about losing, that's what you stand to lose. You stand to lose a guy who could be one of the top five players, perennial MVP candidate for years to come over making the playoffs and being an eighth seed. I'm just warning so. you. I'm just warning you. If this team does lose, you're going to comfort me because I, I can't handle this. I can't handle another losing season for my team. I hate it too. I'm going to be honest. I honestly hate when they lose. It sucks. Losing is the least fun thing. Like as competitive people, and I know you are, I'm very competitive. I hate playing games. Like even board games, losing board games or video games, it drives me crazy. Like watching the Spurs lose is not fun, but it could be worth it in the end. So for any Spurs fans who need to be consoled in the event that the Spurs have a losing season, I'll be here for you. Con- there is plenty of reason to be happy either way. It's a very win-win situation this season. Contact Noah, George, M- <laughs> Margo for, for, uh, for therapy needs. Definitely. <laughs> My line is open. <laughs> but um, again, but I think, I think we're going to do a whole a season preview later in December but again, this year, I honestly think this season it could be a toss-up of going either really well or not really well. Just really well in terms of having to probably a really 
probably one of the more defensive talented teams in the league in terms of the talent and prospects that you have. But also, it could go the opposite way with how stacked the West is and just how competitive the West itself is alone. So it it could go either way. I think we'll get a really good indication of how this season will go. Going into training camp, seeing some seeing some preseason stuff, and then also going into probably the first five to six games. I think once you see the first five, six games of this team, you're going to get a better picture of how this season's going to go. Definitely, and and I think as long as as, as... Greg Popovich is willing to give Devin Vassell the opportunity to earn minutes right off the bat. I think that this team has a really high defensive ceiling because to me, he's already the best team defender on the team. Now he has a little ways to go before he's a really solid individual defender because he needs to add some weight. But to me, he was more NBA ready than anyone the Spurs have drafted since Kawhi Leonard. And he's their first lottery pick in 20-plus years. So if he's not getting minutes as a rookie, I just don't know what to tell you. I'm going to be a little bit more upset than I was when Lonnie wasn't getting minutes over Marco, though I'll understand it a little bit better because there is no Marco in his way. Yeah. So, all right. So we'll wrap it up of this episode of Adeline. Noah, do you have any last words about this roster and this offseason so far? Just be patient, Spurs fans. Like, I know you want a big move. Everybody loves those big moves, but – in good time and due time, something will happen. Something will come. This roster will come together. This team will be – and again, I think Ty's right. Like It will be a team that probably surprises people even if it's not you know, a championship contender. And just like Noah said, be patient. The trade deadline is not for a good – for like four to five months now. There's plenty of time for trades to go down. There are plenty of times for this team to make changes and – during this offseason or even during the season yeah you might not get the so just kind of because i know that some people would say oh trade them now you want to get a high return it's like you don't really want too much honestly you're just trying to get these guys off your rotation in my opinion like you're trying to just get honestly you're just going to try to move lamarcus just to get him out of your rotation because you have young guys in the wings that that are going to t- they can easily take over for lamarcus you just need you just need that roster and rotation spot open so if honestly, if I'm the Spurs, I'm not really asking for much. I'm not asking for, I'm not asking for an All Star in return. I'm probably asking for some picks, maybe a first round pick in the, going into 2021 or 2022, because one, the cap, the cap money that it, Lamarcus could save some teams is tremendous, and then also he's still an asset for some, especially some contenders that that will probably make a move near the trade deadline, thinking that they just need one more piece to really push them over the top, and. Lamarcus Aldridge is going to be a val- is going to be a, a value that people are that players and teams are going to want going into at least and I would say going to the trade deadline. So again, yeah, the trade line only makes teams more desperate. So yeah, you're 100 percent right. Like if they end up only trading, you know, Demar or Lamarcus or even both for one first rounder or even like a first and a second rounder, that's good value because Ty is 100 percent right. It's kind of an addition by subtraction. They're still really good players, but they're not for what the Spurs want to do right now. So like, and you even said they might not even be a good fit, but, and then, and then also you also need to remember that this Spurs team is trying to preserve their cap. It might be for free agency. It might be to re-sign guys because you have, you do, you still have a extension for Lonnie coming up and then you're going to have extension for Luca and Kelvin coming up in two years. You really want that cap space, no matter what happens, even if it's not, even if you think that you're not going to get a big free agent, free agent because San Antonio is not a free agent destination, you still need that money to extend your young guys because these young guys could become something big and we're are probably going to ask for some big money later on 
And you want that cap space so you can be flexible with those guys. So you can so if these guys are some of the best players in the league in a year or two, you're able to re-sign them and give them the money that they want. You're able to have that flexibility. So just because you really want something to happen right now, it doesn't mean it's going to be the it's the best option to happen because I can guarantee you if the Spurs traded and I kind of look back at this Warriors proposed trade. If that Spurs traded for Andrew Wiggins, that was going to really hurt them in the cap. Even if you're trained, you're trained LaMarcus Aldridge, which just doesn't seem like a fit for your team. It's like, finally, we traded this guy. However, you just picked up a max contract and, and damn Andrew Wiggins that's going to hurt your cap space in the long, long run. So the Spurs, they're, they're weighing their options because they don't want to make the wrong move. Yeah, it's a right move to, like you said, it's addition by attract. So it's a, addition by subtraction i can't talk tonight it's a it's addition by subtraction by removing him there but you could really be hurting your future in some other aspects if you're taking on more money that than you really needed to take on and it will just hurt your future plans the spurs are waiting to t- make the right move and it might not be a big return so be be aware and be prepared the return for for lamarcus aldrich is probably not going to be that great or the one or the or the expectation of the return, you think. It's not going to happen, most likely. So be prepared, and then remember, you got young guys that are going to take over for him. And just giving those young guys his minutes is going to be the best addition to this team than you could honestly think. Yeah, I, I really don't have much else to add there. I mean, um, even if they're bad. Like, even if they're bad, you get that lottery pick. If they're good, you maybe get that playoff experience. And in the end, having LaMarcus and DeMar off of this team... Uh, again, great guys, good players, just not what the Spurs are aiming for right now. And you got to look at it in the long term of things and just be ready for that low return. Like Ty said, just got to be ready for uh, an underwhelming return because it may hurt in the immediate, but it's going to help in the future. So I can't, So the last thing, my very last thing, I would know, I've said this 20 times already. We're going to end this. It's I think that this is can be a win win season no matter what happens. It's a win season if they're if these young guys really develop and become some of the best one of the best some of the best players in the league and make your team a playoff team. I think that's a win no matter what because it means you have got talent there and they're only going to go get more minutes going into the next season. If you don't have a if you have a losing season, it's still a win because you get a high draft pick and what you what you said is a stacked stacked two stacks draft class. <laughs> so it, it's I feel like no matter how this season goes. I think it's going to be a win-win for the Spurs, even if it is a losing season. As much as weird as that sounds, a losing season being a win, it's a win because you get one more piece. One more piece that's going to push you over the top. Uh, For sure. For sure. 100%. So, you know, Spurs fans, be patient. Get excited. Um, But this is just going to be a a weird season because it's shortened and – uh, you know, everything's kind of different, but it's it's still going to be worth watching. This is going to be a different basketball team than you saw even last year. So, so thank you again for listening, guys. Noah, where can they find you? Yeah, they can find me uh, at Twitter uh, at N underscore Magaro. Sorry, I'm also having trouble talking. <laughs> I'm a little tired. And then uh, they can find me on YouTube at uh, my name, so Noah Magaro George. And then lastly, you can find my work at Pounding the Rock. Um, doing a bunch of stuff there and maybe in the future we will be seeing some 2021 draft content well yeah again Noah's gonna be Noah's gonna be the one that tracks everyone because we don't know what the spurs are so you have to look at everyone 
Yes. <laughs> as it's much as be you... a long process, but it's going to be fun. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Ty Jaeger. It's the Ty J A G E R. Yeah, I'm I'm too good for YouTube. I'm doing Twitch. You can find my live streams on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the Ty Jaeger. Same thing as my Twitter handle. And I even post on Twitter whenever I'm going live. And then you can find my work at News for San Antonio's The Spurs Zone. You can find that at News for San Antonio or Fox 29. And then make sure to follow at the line on Twitter at the line. I know it's at at the line on pod. It's weird. It's weird. I know. I try to get at the I tried to get something else. I couldn't get it. Sorry. But it's at at the Lion Pod on Twitter. And make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get them. Noah, any last words? Go Spurs, go. I'm excited for the season. That's my those are my finals word. Final words before our preview next time. Just go Spurs go. I'm excited. I love it. And again, if there's any breaking news, if there's any new for if any if this season somehow becomes really explosive all of a sudden, or offseason, I mean. Then we will come back with a new episode. But for Noah, I'm Ty, and you've been listening to At The Line. We'll see you guys next time. Hey, guys. Have you ever listened to At The Line and then suddenly think, huh, I kind of want to make my own podcast? Well, guess what? I have something that's going to be the best tool for you in starting off your podcast. It's called Anchor, and this is what we use here at At The Line. One, it's absolutely free to use. And guess what? I know some of our hosting websites – they cost money to have you start your podcast, host it, and all that. Anchor doesn't do that. It's absolutely free. And there's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer if you don't have all the equipment that you want. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so you don't have to go to all these other websites and figure out, how do, what, what do I put? How do I get this? It's so confusing, Anchor although makes it easy for you and they will put your podcast on spotify apple Podcasts, and many more podcasting websites and guess what the best part of it you can make money from your podcast but no minimum listenership that means you can do your podcast for free while making money who doesn't love that and it's everything that you need to make your podcast in one place so make sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started on your free podcast.